I'd like to welcome all of you to Sunday service here at Ananda Village and in the beautiful Temple of Light. I'll read my, uh, my name is Nayaswami Parvati. This is Nayaswami Pranava, and we're very happy to be with, here the, with you here this morning. And we welcome all of our guests and visitors. We're very happy to have you here. I'll read now from Rays of the One Light. These are commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita written by Swami Kriyananda and based on Yogananda's teachings. Truth, truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. In last week's reading, we saw that the great masters themselves counseled discretion in the dissemination of truth. The counter-argument is sometimes made, but the Lord doesn't hide. He reveals his beauty in the sunsets, his tender sympathy in the rain, his wrath in the thunder, his restless energy in the brooks, his power in the sunlight. There are exoteric truths, and there are also esoteric truths. There is that which is revealed impersonally and left up to us to interpret, such as the thunder and our perception of it as divine wrath, the rain and our perception of it as God's sympathy. But behind even God's most open expressions, there lies impenetrable mystery. The wind blows where it wills, said Jesus in chapter 3 of the Gospel of St. John. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Sri Krishna says in the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, By me the whole vast universe of things is spread abroad. By me the unmanifest. In me are all existences contained, not I in them. God's hidden reality cannot be understood by the reasoning faculty. India's Shankya philosophy states frankly, frankly, Ishwar Ashita, God is not provable. A willingness to seek the underlying reality behind appearances is essential for those who would know God. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. I'd like to share with you a reading from Whispers from Eternity by Paramahansa Yogananda, his book of prayer demands. O Father, behold me through the pores of the sky. Smile at me through the twinkling stars. Strengthen me through the sun. Calm my feelings through the moon. Caress me through the breeze. Love me through my love. Throb in me through my heart. Breathe thine immortality through this mortal frame of mine. Speak through my voice. Help others through my hands. 
Use my mind to inspire them. Breathe through my breath. For within this fragile viol, thou alone canst sing thy complete eternal song. There's a wonderful story. Well, they're all wonderful stories in the Autobiography Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. But this one was a charming one that um, touched me again. It's when Sri Kishwar goes to visit his guru, Lahiri Mahashai, in his home in Benares. And as he enters the room into the parlor, uh, where Lahiri used to hold many satsangs, many gatherings with devotees, Lahiri says to Sri Kishwar, did you see Babaji at the threshold of the room, of the doorway as you came in? And surprised, Sri Kishwar says, why, no. And, and Lahiri says, come here. And he touched him just lightly on the forehead. And immediately, Sri Kishwar saw the form of Babaji. And he describes it as a lotus blossoming. Nice image. And then at the end of um, Babaji's stay, as he's about to depart, he says to Sri Kishwar, child, you, you need to meditate more. Your gaze is not faultless. You did not see me behind the sunlight. And I thought, whoa. <laughs> so the next time you're walking out after the service in the sun, Babaji is there. Um, but it is interesting when we talk about this focus, does God hide the truth? There's various ways to look at this and to appreciate it. Because it isn't so much that God really hides things, but it appears to us, much like Babaji seemed hidden to Swami Sri Yukteswar. But my feeling is, like many of the stories in the Autobiography of Yogi, they were told for our sake to tune into certain things, um, and not so much that it really was much of a fault on Sri Yukteswar's part. But, you know, delusion, this world, of creation is a world of duality. It is a world of delusion because we can't see through the sunlight at times as to what's really going on. But that doesn't mean we have to be permanently stuck where we're at. The whole spiritual journey is simply one to uncover more and more that deeper reality. You know, there's that wonderful verse in the Bible that says that God comes like a thief in the night. So from the story of Shukteswar with Babaji, he also comes in the daylight, which means there's probably not a lot of other times that he also isn't there. <laughs> we have to assume that. And so it's not a part that is, there's something missing on God's part. It's simply, what can we do to open up to those more subtle vibrations, those more subtle realities. It's like that story that I think many of us heard, the footprints in the sand, where the story goes that the devotee is walking with God along the sand on the shore of the ocean. And the devotee looks back and sees these two sets of footprints as they're walking along. And then challenges come in the devotee's life and he's struggling, and he turns around and sees only one set of footprints. And then he, he prays to God and says, why have you abandoned me in my greatest time of need? 
Why aren't you with me at this point when I need you the most? And God comes to him and says, my child, don't you realize that that set of footprints was mine and I was holding and carrying you? And it's something we don't always recognize. We don't often see what's really going on. And so the path is really simply, how do we unfold more and more to that experience? How do we become more aware of the deeper truths that are there? And this is a challenge for all of us because we can so readily race around doing the things that need to be done and then realize, for what avail is this activity really for? As Master said, if we forget the divine in the doing, then the doing doesn't really have that much value anymore. It will have some, but really the value comes because we are in God. Not even the thought that we're approaching God or praying to God, but that we're in God. When we have that awareness, that attitude, then God will be there for us. It isn't some stranger that we're looking for. God, as we know, is, as Yogananda says, the nearest of the nearest and the dearest of the dearest. Well, it seems like a platitude at times to hear these things so many times in our lives. But every day, if we can endeavor just to soak up the vibration behind words like that, to be in the center of the vibration behind those words, then they become real to us. Last night we had the first, first Kriya ceremony in this wonderful temple of light. And I want to, on behalf of all of us that are Kriya bonds, to express our blessings and congratulations to those that took Kriya for the first time. A very deep and sacred experience to have, and especially now in this amazing magnetic temple of light. But during the ceremony, I was thinking that many of us sitting in this temple last night have been to many Kriya initiations and for many years. And the possibility is there that we could just be attending and not really there. Or at least for parts of the ceremony, that may happen. And yet, we have the possibility in the other way, this gift of coming to something sacred like that, and whether it's the Kriya ceremony or just meditating together, whatever it might be, that we have the possibility of the gift of being in the heart of it. And us choosing to be in the heart of it puts us in the heart of the divine. That is where God resides, in our hearts when we're open, when we're feeling the freedom of just being there with no reservation, no hesitation, no resistance, then we feel that complete experience in that moment. The challenge, of course, is to feel that moment every moment. And so we need reminders, we need ways to, to refresh, but also to refine. Because often, at least I've noticed in my own life, that I will have a deep experience, and then I'll coast on that experience. But isn't that true that we often do that? 
we have a deep meditation or experience outside of meditation. And it so readily comes to us that that was really deep, that was great. But we put it in the past tense. Normally, naturally, that's how we do it. But if we can shift that from being in the past tense, even though the experience is there, and say, this continues to be my experience in the present tense, then it doesn't escape so readily from our experience. But if you think of God hiding the truth, it's really just the divine waiting for us to open up to those experiences, as I said, refreshing and refining them. But Paramahansa Yogananda gave us some amazing ways and tools, of course, to approach this in a more meaningful and practical way. And he talked about the, the eight experiences or manifestations of the divine that can be ways that we can tune in and then experience that reality of God, the reality of the divine. And he talked about light, light as a way to bring us into that expansiveness that allows us to be able to let go of any darkness. And in that light that we feel the divine presence as our own experience. But knowing that we're not completely in the light all the time, Yogananda recommended, suggested to us that in a sense we at times prime the pump, that we engage our consciousness in that direction, meaning that we allow, in this case, the light to be something we're dynamically engaged in, perhaps by visualization, perhaps by just tuning into uh, a sense of a, a single candle in a, in a large room of darkness, that we can feel as much as we can visualize that experience on the human level, and then we can nurture that into something beyond that limitation of the human experience, into the divine experience. But that's why in meditation, we always want to spend time at the end, whether we have Kriya or any of the techniques, to just be absorbed in the experience of the light at the spiritual eye. And there is a spiritual eye in front of me, there's a spiritual eye in front of you. Um, those are symbols that we're looking at. But they help us to orient, as I said, prime the pump, so the experience starts to develop and has momentum, so that when we do close our eyes, that darkness is lit up by that inner experience of that deep divine light. Sound. Sound is the sound of Om. And we represent it often by externalizing it, we chant Om, we say Om. And that's important again to prime the pump. But deeper than that, and the refinement of that, is when we're listening. We're absorbed in Om as the underlying, permeating, all pervasive vibration in all of creation. And it takes, again, our engagement, our self offering into that experience. 
Granted, there are times when these things will happen to us, we'll have deep experiences because of our good karma. But to rely on good karma to continue is faulty on our part. We need to say, thank you, God. Thank you, Master, for this experience. But let me go deeper. Let me offer myself with a deeper purity in this experience. I remember years ago when I, in the early 1980s, when we had the previous incarnation of the temple up at the meditation retreat, I was up there seeing someone. I decided to stay for the afternoon meditation. There was a good group of people, number of people, about 30 or so. And um, I didn't have headphones or earplugs. And as I was sitting there, I was just going into the meditation experience. I felt this roar happen, and it was the roar of silence. It was the roar of Om in silence. And it seemed such a dichotomy, of course, in my mind, my rational mind saw that, picked up on it, and it kind of faded. And I thought, no, I don't need to say what it is or uh, acknowledge what it is. I just need to be in the experience. And I just allowed myself to relax and be in the roar of that silence. And it just felt so encapsulating, so enervating in a deep, calm way. And so take the time to listen to Om outwardly, take the time to chant Om outwardly, inwardly, but more importantly, not only with the Om technique that we have, but be absorbed in Om, because God won't be hidden anymore if we can be in that vibration. But peace is another aspect, manifestation of the divine, that we can tune into. And the description that Yogananda gives of peace is, to me, such a nurturing, such a um, feeling of connectedness, where he talks about peace being like a weightless waterfall. Isn't that image already the experience that you tune into just hearing those words, it just feels, rather than even visualizing the waterfall, the feeling of that spray, of that peaceful embrace, that peaceful connection that you're imbued with. But find the points throughout the day where peace becomes an active engagement, where you come to the stillness with your soft breathing, you come to that inner realization from attunement to that sense of the cessation of turmoil, of just that relinquishing of the tensions and being in that deeper relaxation. Calmness, Yogananda said, was slightly different than peace and a deeper, a deeper vibration, a deeper level that peace is, where calmness is that untouched experience where you're unshaken by the challenges in life, no matter what happens, that we have the depth of that experience pervasive in everything. But again, to engage in that, to not to rely on it, hopefully coming to you at some point, because circumstances uh, come together to provide the outward setting for that. Don't waste that time. Be in it now. Feel your calm. As Master said, Yogananda said, be even-minded and cheerful at all times and retain that calmness as your bottom line. Don't let things ruffle you 
or if they do ruffle you, because likely all of us have some things that will ruffle us still. Catch it right away. Perhaps that's even a greater lesson than thinking you can remain in the calmness. Come to the point of calmness immediately after you are ruffled and disturbed in your calmness. Be there. Feel that, again, with your sensitivity, your openness, that that grace that comes from the guru and God is there for you as calmness. And love, love is something we all are touched by. And the refinement is, as we know, the divine unconditional love. As Yogananda said, don't go to bed each night without having the touch of God. Be in that touch of that divine unconditional love. Offer yourself without reservation with your love. Even if our love is so small in comparison to divine infinite love, it is God's love through us. It's very real to us. Let that love just be offered as an unconditional gift to God. And pray. Pray more with your heart than even with your words. Just that I am yours. Be thou mine. And that chant of Swami Kriyananda is that we chanted here, the first chant, Lord, I am thine. Let that be that sweetness of your heart's love as you chant it again out loud or just mentally or just vibrationally in your heart. Let it be that offering. And love, as Yogananda promised, will be requited from God and Guru. Joy or bliss. We often use the words in the English language of happiness being synonymous with joy and bliss. And indeed, it's, it's a good way to activate that in daily life. But joy and bliss is not in the dual world. Happiness can still have sadness as its duality. But use the happiness that you feel in a human way to be a springboard to a deeper experience, to feel the bliss that is untouchable from life's duality, from delusion. Know it to be the realest experience that can ever be there for each one of us. It is the, the experience of samadhi. It is the experience of our soul in that union with the divine. It may be fleeting because of where we're at with our karma, but use it, as I just said, as a springboard to be in touch with that more and more throughout your life. And then there is wisdom. And wisdom is the way that God can touch us through our intuition. It isn't that we become more intelligent or we can use our reasoning faculty more. That may happen for some of us, but that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is to be in that dynamic flow that we know with certainty through our intuition, God and Guru acting and flowing through us. And so when we serve, when we're acting as instruments, feel that that flow is the guidance 
through your intuition of God's grace. That is the deeper experience of wisdom. And it's very personal, it's very real, and it's very much a touch that we feel deeper and deeper in our experience. And then power. Power for us, for many people, maybe is a little bit challenging because we tend to think of power more coming from some form of power, the, the power of position, the power of the ego. But power is activated through the flow of energy. And so for many of us, we can be very real in that experience of God's presence as power through energy. Because if we can let go of the resistance in our lives and tune into that infinite energy, then we know with deep realization that's the experience of God that is real for us through power. And so we have master's energization exercises to again to allow us to activate, to refine, to not only appreciate energy as power, but to be in that experience. And all of these are really the ways that are there for us so God cannot be hidden anymore. God can't hide if we're opening up to all these experiences, not as experiences to just have, but experiences to be in. We are that experience. We are made in the image of God. Let us joyfully, openly, sincerely, with the deepest of devotion and attunement, live in those experiences and be one in that deepest experience. God bless you.